episode of Latchkey Movies, the podcast where we take a critical look at the movies your kids are watching without your supervision. Today, we are going to talk about the 1990 holiday film, Home Alone. My name is Sarah. I am the mom of a four-year-old boy. And I am Briar Harvey, and I am the mom of an 18-year-old girl, an 8-year-old boy, which is going to be very relevant today, (laughs) and a 2-year-old boy. So I picked this one. I just should say up front that I picked this one. This is actually one of my favorite holiday films, and people, I don't know, roll their eyes at me or make faces <laughs> what? when I really. Who are those people? Well, my husband Scrooge? in particular. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that might actually apply to him to be perfect. No, that's not true. He likes Christmas. He just doesn't like Christmas movies. I feel like Christmas movies get a lot more leeway than non-Christmas movies. Because I am willing to give this film, like, so many passes because Because it's it's a a Christmas Christmas movie. movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and if you look at other really traditional Christmas movies, like, I love It's a Wonderful Life. Don't ever say anything bad about It's a Wonderful Life in front of me because it's literally like one of my top 10 favorite oh, movies. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but if you watch that movie critically from an film analysis perspective, come nope. on, even you. Not no, 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 hear no. It. Oh, but you'd have to because that movie has some really dubious stuff to it. Sorry. Nope. I'm fine. I'm fine. (laughs) Whatever. I love it. I watch it in full every winter. Yeah. Like, I own it on DVD. It's a terrible DVD. Oh, my God. There is no good DVD copy of it. There really isn't. The only good way to watch it is when CBS plays it. (laughs) Is it CBS? I think it might be NBC now that does it. Yeah. I want to say it's NBC. Well, that would be terrible, but... I actually, a few years ago, there's there's this playhouse, I think they're in Chicago, and they created a version of It's a Wonderful Life. It's a one-man play. And I know, like, everything about that sounds, like, totally lame and something you wouldn't want to see. It was amazing. It was so good. I mean, I'll see it because I really enjoyed Patrick Stewart's one-man Christmas Carol. So So it apparently um, started as, like, a radio play. And then they, like, developed it into a stage show. Okay. It was really good. Anyways, I'm a big fan. But that's not what we're talking about today. Oh, right. We were talking about Home Alone. (laughs) Although relevant because you do see a clip of It's a Wonderful Life in French. In France. (laughs) <laughs> you do. So we're kind of on point. We, sure. we haven't got into the weeds yet. I on mean, point Christmas movies. So it, it should surprise nobody. This film, um, which was released on November 16th, 1990, had an $18 million budget and it grossed $476 million worldwide. So there's a line in Dogma. 
where Selma Hayek is talking about the fact that she is responsible for nine of the ten top-grossing films of all time, except for Home Alone, that piece of shit with the head <laughs> and the hands. I had nothing to do with that. And it just, it felt relevant here, because this movie really did make a lot of money for... A lot of money. It was, so it was a different time. Then yes. movies stayed in the theaters for longer because we didn't Much have longer. the um, we didn't have streaming obviously and the home video we release. had VCRs yeah. yo VCRs. <laughs> home video wasn't what it is today um, it was in the theaters for like nine months and it like steadily made money the entire time it was the highest grossing live action comedy film of all time in the United States. Um, it actually had, like, the Guinness Book of World Records title for that for um, years, obviously, because it wasn't overtaken until The Hangover 2, which, what? What? <laughs> what? I'm sorry. The Hangover 2? How is that? A, it, I don't know. I, maybe we're playing with pretend Monopoly money for The Hangover <laughs> Part 2. I don't even, I can't. I don't know. What? I don't know. That'll be something to talk about maybe in the mini-sode or some other day. Never. Never will we talk about The Hangover. It was also the highest grossing Christmas film of all time until The Grinch in 2018, which is the most recent Grinch, the animated one. Right. Not the Jim Carrey one, which I had no idea performed that well. I the Benedict not... Cumberbatch one. Well, I mean, <laughs> it is Benedict Cumberbatch, I guess. And I, so, I, I, I don't know. I was honestly not that impressed no, with me that either. movie. <laughs> I guess but, maybe when you get to, like, highest grossing Christmas films, you get, like, a little bit, like, really. Maybe you get, like, one or two Christmas films a year, right? Okay. Think of, like, high-grossing Christmas films. The, the, oh, I think we've named probably all of them <laughs> at this point in time, haven't we? Well, Elf. what else is interesting is of, it was the second-highest-grossing film of 1990. So I looked because, like, 1990 was a banner year Big for films. Big year! So ahead of, ahead of Home Alone was Ghost. Directly after Home Alone as far as, like, gross, is Pretty Woman. Then we have Dances with Wolves, Total Recall, Die Hard 2, which, by the way, is another Christmas film. Oh, I agree with this. I, I oh, think Die Hard 1 and 2 Die are both Hard Christmas films. Die Hard 1 and 2 are Christmas films. Because they both films. take place Absolutely. on Christmas. <laughs> Absolutely. Then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kindergarten Cop, and The Hunt for Red October, and rounding out with Dick Tracy. But, like... Ghost, Pretty Woman, Dances with Wolves, Die Hard 2, those were all the same year. That's crazy. This is really an impressive list of films, <laughs> honestly. I'm looking at it going, we watched a lot of movies in 1990. Yeah. I don't think we did a whole lot of anything else. We watched, I mean, <laughs> and I feel like I was 10, so I saw quite a few of these yeah. in the theater yeah too. i was eight so i'm the exact same age as kevin McAllister. yep um 
I'm also amused that Arnold Schwarzenegger has two of the top ten films, and they're Total Recall and Kindergarten Cop, which shows his range. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not even a Terminator. Nope. Which will be out by the time this episode is released. (sighs) So, the other thing that's very important that we talk about is that this is a film that was produced by John Hughes and directed by Christopher Columbus with a score by John Williams. That is a a one-two-three punch. It really is. (laughs) So I looked it up. This is Christopher Columbus's third film so he did um what was first he has pretty impressive filmography (laughs) but in terms of his directing credits his first was adventures in babysitting in 87 i love that movie that's a one of my favorites too i can't look at vincent d'onofrio and not think of him as thor and, like, right. then think, what is going, like, also just Vincent D'Onofrio. Like, we, what is the roller coaster of your life and the way you have looked through your career? I know. I know. But anyways. <laughs> Gosh, all these films. I know. John there's Hughes, so many. Mrs. They're like, Doubtfire. They're like our childhood. Right? Is there's that your, that's lot. my childhood. Like, flat out, these are the films of my childhood. Yep. And then throw in a John Williams score and it's like so amazing. I mean, and and it really is possibly one of the best parts of this yes. movie. It's the, the part that you probably know you're spectacular. Yeah. And you're probably the most familiar with it without really realizing that it's the score from Home Alone. Mhm. You know, because these they use it as Christmas music everywhere. That song, Somewhere in My Memory, mhm is for this movie. Right. It didn't exist before then. But now it seems like such iconic Christmas music. music. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, this movie is... We're dating ourselves here. But it is 30 years old. Jesus Christ. Stop. Stop. And now we all know how old old. I am. (laughs) Yes, I will be 40 years old next year. This was... Man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now um, that I'm kind of over that. What what were we talking about? Uh this is a movie that only has a sixty percent um the tomatometer. <laughs> tomatometer? Tomatometer? So, I feel like you either love this movie or hate this movie. So I, that's just the critic score. I know, but I And I, I, I feel never like agree you, with critics. No, but unless if it's you like asked real people, I think that they would yeah. agree too. Yeah, you know, it's divisive. I'm sure there's that person out there that wants to be like edgy and hate everything and says that they have they see no redeeming qualities in this movie and can't get past the fact that it's only at this point meant to be strictly nostalgia. Nobody is gonna watch this movie and be like, Yes, this is exactly how I need to live my life. <laughs> right? No, no one is. No one is. <laughs> but for nostalgia purposes, I don't know. For me, it's it still hits all the high notes. Yeah. So I had made like I had made a note about this while I was watching it. It's really interesting to me to see a family portrayed like this in film because I don't think you would ever see a family portrayed like this in a film these days. 
as a straight, this is a family. This is not a in-your-face dysfunctional family, right? So that's really an interesting question because... I don't think you would. I don't think you would. And in fact, this is such a normal family. (laughs) And I feel like of that time, now on the other end of the spectrum, the obvious dysfunctional families from that same time period, things like Roseanne and the Simpsons, Right. You don't really see, I mean, besides the fact that Roseanne is back on and the Simpsons never left, (laughs) you don't see that, like, I I just don't feel like you see those family dynamics anymore. You don't see a normal family portrayed like this and you don't see a dysfunctional family portrayed like that. A lot of what you see in dysfunctional families these days are, like, very down and out money-wise dysfunctional families and a lot of the dysfunction comes from that right so i'm trying to think of uh culturally i i hate this is us because i think that show is designed to play (laughs) on your emotions in the worst possible way but if you go back a little bit farther the brave romans yes are are probably right parenthood would be what we get these days as a typical family yeah and they certainly liked each other a whole lot more (laughs) than the McAllisters like each other I am positive there were points in my time like at eight that I thought I was Kevin McAllister so as the owner of an (laughs) eight-year-old like he may not use the same language but the tone is still yes. the same. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. He is such a little asshole, and man, I yeah. kind of feel guilty calling my kid an asshole. But at uh, but eight years old, especially right. an eight-year-old boy, that applies. And so much of this movie, as I watch it now, before this, I was just thinking, man, I feel bad for Kevin, but at the same time, I feel bad for his mom. <laughs> Like, I don't know that I would have been a whole lot nicer. Right, yeah. Let's go through the cast and then we'll break that down a little bit when we get to the actual um, film. We're we're skipping ahead-ish. There's not much plot-wise here, unfortunately. (laughs) So it's not going to take us long. Um, We have Macaulay Culkin as Kevin McAllister. This was obviously his breakout role in a... He had been in Uncle Buck before. Mm-hmm. But, man, I don't know. Could you get bigger than Macaulay Culkin after this movie? No, I don't know that you can. And I also, like, I feel like in my life and circle of people I knew, all of a sudden you saw a bunch of, like, eight-year-old kids mm-hmm. trying to be, like, the cute Kevin McAllister... Mm-hmm. attitude and i i don't know do you know what i'm talking about like, i do i do and it was so annoying like just oh, cut it out kid very much so <laughs> you know he's the same age as i am he's actually a month younger than i am so macaulay culkin is yes the same macaulay age. Yeah. Culkin so he was older than age. eight when he filmed this right he was 10 when he filmed it yeah. or probably nine when he filmed it and then you know 10 by the time it came out right but i feel like 
he was very much a part of the cultural epoch for us, right? Growing yeah. up as the example of a child star gone, mm-hmm. whoa, what the fuck? Right, sure. I mean, there was so much about his early life mm-hmm. that was very, very politicized and mm-hmm. in the public eye and it damaged him i think so i don't think he was ever really quite the same and he took some time away from hollywood for quite some time but yeah i think he is an interesting person and i think we just will not touch on his relationship with Michael Jackson at all because that's a whole other show that somebody else yeah, needs somebody to do. Yeah, somebody else will do. Somebody else that's needs to do That's not what we're here show. for. We're just talking about the movie. Um, so next up, we have Joe Pesci as Harry Lime. Um, he really did good for this one, I thought... So that role was apparently originally offered to, um, I want to say, Al Pacino? Uh, no, you're wrong Italian. De Niro. I believe this <laughs> one was originally Pacino. offered to De Niro. And he declined it. Mm-hmm. Which... It, oh, it was Robert De Niro and John Lovitz? <laughs> <laughs> What? I'm kind of surprised that John declined. Like I could see Robert De Niro. I could see that. I could no. I John Lovitz. See John <laughs> Lovitz. No. But, no. Honestly, as the tough guy one. <laughs> no. No, I can't see it. Mm-mm. Well, because he'd have played it a little <laughs> differently. I think no, but I, I could. I could. Oh, it, it would have been a good time. But no, no, I think Joe was the correct choice here Agreed. for Harry Lime. And Daniel Stern, who, does he, did he ever do anything besides character stuff? I, I can't imagine he did. He's old now, 62. Sorry. That's not that old. What are you talking about? He was probably pretty young when this movie. He was only 32. He was younger than we are now, and you just called him old. I called myself old five minutes ago. I don't know (laughs) what the fuck you're talking about. So this was, oh, right after, no, right before city slickers and right after my blue heaven in (laughs) daniel stern's filmography so (laughs) he's always just been a pretty good character actor but there's been more of a gap here lately and nothing really noteworthy for a while i don't feel like whip it the next three days uh, game over man James and his future self that one apparently came out or is coming out this year I don't know I don't know the 90s were 
maybe Daniel's good years. Let's see. Up next, we have, okay, and I have a confession. I didn't actually know he was dead until <laughs> I read your comment on the show notes. So, like, it, it made me a little sad. Yeah. <clears throat> John Hurd as Peter McAllister. He died in 2017. I I've missed a lot the last five years. What can I say? I probably heard and knew and forgot, which, yeah. He had a heart but, attack. Yeah. That's the theme of the day. It's gonna be. How did Robert's Blossom die? He's the he was old. Old neighbor, <laughs> by he the just, way. He, he died in a nursing home. Oh, I read okay. it. Yeah. Okay. Just old. He went. He actually was old. Yes. Not the fake old that Briar keeps coming out with. Okay, as possibly one of my favorite roles of hers, I have to say, Catherine O'Hara is Kate McAllister. Man, she's so good here. The rest of the movie may be bad, in or arguably bad, but she is flawless. I think it's really interesting because it's such a straight role for her, which isn't necessarily what she's known for. You know, you think of her in uh, Beetlejuice or um, any of the Christopher Guest films or I whatever. I was just about know. to say Best in Show or yeah, yeah. any of the other Christopher Guest. Yeah. But this is a pretty straight role for her. Mm-hmm. And she nails it, man. Mm-hmm. Like... She is the kind of bad mother that we all are on yeah. our worst Oh, absolutely. And, absolutely. And it's so... I think what I love about her in this role and why I love this movie is that it's just so humanizing. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. It's so relieving to know that... You're, you're not, not the, the only, only one, one who thinks that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you may not say it, but... We've probably all wanted to say a lot of the things that she says in this movie. Mm-hmm. We think it out loud. Mm-hmm. Probably when they're out of the room. Yeah. I do that a lot. I, they leave, and then I say all the terrible things. <laughs> God, I'm such a terrible mother. But yeah, she's just all of I us. I just, like, and I'm sorry, I know we're jumping ahead, but like... <sighs> Just watching that house on that night before they leave is enough anxiety for me oh, to God, like, I and you're not, I'm not even there. I know. So, like, my husband can't watch things like The Office or situational comedies where somebody is putting themselves in like awful situations over and over again because he's like, he has too much empathy and it makes him uncomfortable. <laughs> I, no, I understand. Yeah. The Office is not one of my favorite shows for that reason. I, yeah. I, I watch The Office and I'm like, quit, motherfuckers, just quit. Yeah. So, it's not a problem I typically have, but this movie. I'm like, I'm watching that whole scene play out. And then when she yells at Kevin in the hallway, I'm just like, yeah, no, I totally get it. Like, I get it. You are like at your limit. And then the thing that I absolutely love is that when he goes downstairs in the morning, the house is straightened up. Mm-hmm. 
And you know who was doing it. You know exactly who did that. <laughs> she did it. Because she, then he goes into their room, and their room is a disaster. It was a disaster. She didn't have time to make the bed or do anything else. Mm-hmm. But she cleaned up all of that extra house detritus yep. after everybody else had gone to sleep. Maybe maybe the aunt, uh, what's her name? Let me go. We have an actual like family tree that we will include in the show notes oh leslie (laughs) leslie maybe helped before everyone else went to bed but you know that she was out after all the kids right down to to if at one point he walks down the hall and there's sheets shoved into the um laundry chute which is like a thing some people may not even know because they can't they can't like legally put them in houses anymore because right. they're a fire hazard but like back in the day we used to have these awesome things called laundry chutes where you could just <laughs> throw your dirty laundry down a hole in the wall and then uh, it would end up in the basement they were the best my mom still has one i love it i want one can't have it fire hazard it's a fire hazard yeah, because the fire, that, so like no, that the fire sense. can just no, shoot right yeah. up <laughs> into wherever that goes. Anyways, so the dirty sheet shoved in the mm-hmm. laundry chute because you know that little asshole peed the bed. Yep, he <laughs> certainly did. She stripped the bed as every as they were running around. Leaving. Yep. Yeah. Because either he her or Leslie did it. Yep. But I'm going to guess it was Kate. It's, I'm going to guess too. It's just one of those signs of the invisible labor that (laughs) women undertake all of the time. But it's a really nice touch in terms of the filmmaking, right? This was 1990. That that was even acknowledged in Mm -hmm. any way is pretty remarkable, I have to say. Uh, finally, we have um, Jerry Bammon. There's a lot of other people, but we're just covering the relevant ones here. Jerry Bammon as Uncle Frank. This role was apparently meant for Kelsey Grammer. I could totally see him in that role. He would have done well in it. He's probably sorry he passed this one up. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not. And... We have the special guest appearance of John Candy as Gus Polinsky. The Polka King of the Midwest? The Polka King. (laughs) The Polka King. All right. So this movie starts with the 20th Century Fox logo and the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun at the searchlights. I don't think you get that anymore. That doesn't exist anymore. No, I don't think you don't get that anymore at all. Um, And then you get the black... Uh, entry, like you get entry credits, which is kind of another thing you don't get so much anymore. We um, talked about this, have talked about it a lot yeah, lately with the we've movies talked we've about been some doing. older films mm-hmm. this season. Um, and then Somewhere in My Memory starts and it zooms into the logo and it's the house. And then you see the house. And we can't talk about this movie without talking about the no, house. No, we cannot. So give it to us baby you did all the research on this house well first i just in life this was the house that i thought i was gonna live in if i was a successful human being right (laughs) okay so i thought that if i was a successful human being 
a house like this or the house from like Father of the Bride would be like an attainable thing. (laughs) (laughs) Come to find out, this house just sold in like 2015 for $1.6 million. Now, I feel like pointing out that given the real estate market in the location, that's probably maybe, I I mean, it's it's expensive. The house is in Winnetka, Illinois. It's the same house that, or the same town that like every John Hughes film is in. The Breakfast Club, 16 Candles, Uncle Buck, Ferris Bueller. It's in all of, all of those is Winnetka. Um, the house is actually in Winnetka, and it's one of the wealthiest places in the nation in terms of household income, and it's the second richest in Illinois. It's also where the TV Schirmer, show... Illinois. Okay, there's... Sorry. Also, Dogma. There's a line where they're going yeah. to Shermer, Illinois. Okay, so... So, jo- so Kevin Smith said once that his films are basically John Hughes films with four-letter words. <laughs> That may explain why I like them so much. Well, because, I mean, Kevin Smith is a contemporary, right? He is. So he has the same nostalgia we have. Oh, yeah. If you have nostalgia for John Hughes films, you have nostalgia for Winnetka, Illinois. Shermer, Illinois. Yeah. But Winnetka. um, (laughs) So, yeah, the house just recently sold in, like, 2015. A bunch of the... um, interiors were actually filmed in the house which is like super surprising that never happens films like this are all like sound exterior and sound stages and then what they did film on sound stages they duplicated onto a sound stage really so So the interiors are true yes the interiors are true if you go and look you can find it really easily if you go and google it because not only he can you find it by just he says the actual address. The address that he gives to Santa is six seventy one Lincoln Boulevard, and that is the address of the house. Um, and that's how Sarah is such a sleuth and knows how. To <laughs> no, tell it you came how much the house sold for <laughs> because he told you the location, and she just looked it up. I'm just saying. I'm, no. I'm giving you your props here. No, all you Take have to do. Them. No, <laughs> don't 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 be all coy and crap. Take them and say thank you. Yes, that was on me. Yes. So the kitchen, the main staircase, the basement, the attic, and most of the landing were filmed on location. And then everything else was was duplicated on a soundstage. I bet part of that, too, was I know that they had issues, like, filming because um, Macaulay Culkin was so young, he couldn't film past 10 p.m. Oh, sure. And we had a window for darkness for a significant number of these scenes. So that makes sense. All right. So it opens on the house and Mm -hmm. the house that we all wish we owned. It really is a beautiful house. such a nice house. The entry driveway is lovely with all the bushes who knew you just had to be like barack obama to be able to live there so i don't know that we ever get a clear indicator of what peter McAllister does i think that it's you can people know 
It's on the internet. Of course it is. Because I I think they are both professionals, Mm -hmm. Peter and Kate. She does seem to dress as She's not a stay-at-home mom. No, I don't think so. (laughs) She certainly doesn't pack or... I say that as a stay-at-home mom. (laughs) I don't dress like that. No. (laughs) No. That was not, like, anything disparaging to stay-at-home moms. No. I mean, I work at home, (laughs) and I make a lot of money, and I have some really nice shirts because... Because I'm on camera a lot. But man, I haven't worn a fucking pair of real pants in years. <laughs> I wear leggings and stuff. Really comfy, casual skirts. She does not dress like a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> not even in the 90s. Not even in the 90s. So part of, like, every every time somebody, like, asks the question, like, oh, my God, how do the McAllisters have so much money? Part of what they bring up is that, like, they're taking their whole family on a trip to France. But the reality is it's the uncle that moved to France who's paying mm-hmm. for everybody to go. Mm-hmm. So. Which you can tell by Frank's fairly caddish behavior <laughs> yes. in first class. Is this real, Crystal? It is. Take it. Put it yeah. in your purse, Leslie. What the And then fuck? when he asks for the champagne and says it's free, right? So yeah. apparently the novelization of the film, which what would we do without novelizations for answering <laughs> questions like this? <laughs> Do they still make novelizations? I don't know if they do that anymore. I think that was very much an 80s and well, 90s thing. Well, no, you know what? Thing. Because I, it did actually answer questions in Despicable Me for oh, us. The novelization. God. Oh, you, right. I'd forgotten yeah. that you went So they are that. still a I'd thing. I'd forgotten. <laughs> Fuck. No. So anyways, the novelization says that Peter is a successful businessman. Such a 1990s like... <laughs> He's Honestly, successful I get this as a businessman, like a lawyer or yeah. something. And the mom, Kate, is a fashion designer, oh, which is well, why they have so many mannequins in the house and the mannequins <laughs> and the hats too. She does seem to have yeah. quite the hat collection. Very, very fashion designer, nineteen nineties. <laughs> yes. So we open up then. On to the mayhem of the house with Joe standing in the entryway in his cop hat, right? In his Mm -hmm. cop disguise with everybody running around. He's trying to get people's attention. The pizza guy comes and delivers the stack of pizza. Eventually, pizza guy gets paid and leaves. And thanks her for a good tip. And thanks her for a good tip, so she at least cared enough to tip the pizza guy. Who knocked over their um, statue. Several times. He (laughs) knocks it over, I think, every time he comes over. (laughs) Um, And then we tell um, our burglar in his... (laughs) police disguise that we're going to Paris for the holidays. He flashes his gold tooth like such a 90s film thing, right? (laughs) Like it was, I don't know, just terrible. So bad. (laughs) 
Alright. <clears throat> and then we're in the kitchen, and Kevin and Buzz are fighting over the cheese pizza. I do feel it was an error to not order more than one cheese pizza. That I mean, feels... and Buzz in the, uh, as the typical older brother, probably ate more cheese pizza than he actually wanted to because he knew Kevin of only he eats did. cheese pizza. Of course he did. Yes, because older brothers are assholes. Yes. <laughs> And that's why you order at least three cheeses, <laughs> even though there's leftover cheese. Because With there's that always many kids some in the kid. House. Oh yeah. yeah, there's always some kid. I don't like the toppings. <laughs> I don't want it. Can I pick it off? Oh my god, I don't want to pick it off. It leaves a funny taste in the cheese. I don't have an eight-year-old or anything. <laughs> So then they get into a fight, and a giant two-liter of soda gets spilled all over the passports and the plane tickets, and Kevin gets sent to the attic. Yes. Being a righteous little jerk hole the entire <sighs> way. But what does the uncle say to him? Because I think that's my least favorite line in this whole movie. Yeah. Look what you did, you little jerk. I think that's the one that bothers me. Every time. Like, I think I just really hate that uncle. I am quite positive that even if it was brother-in-law, I'd have said, don't fucking talk to my kid yeah. that way. Right, right. I like that when he goes up, when Kevin um, goes up, he's, he does tell Kate, his mom, that um, Fowler, is that his name, Fowler? Mm-hmm. His, his real-life brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, the other Culkin. <laughs> Kieran Culkin? Kieran. Mm-hmm. Uh, that he doesn't want to sleep with him. He doesn't want to share a bed with him because he's going to wet the bed. So at least Kate's like, all right, we'll find some other place to put him. Fuller. It's Fuller. Fuller. Yeah. It's Fuller because you know Fuller <laughs> will wet the bed. Yeah. That's I don't want my kids dirty. sleeping with a kid who's going to wet the bed. Uh, right. So even in the midst of all of yep. his problem causing and hell raising, she was nice enough to go, all right, I'm not going to stick you with the bed wetter. <laughs> <laughs> but then when he's just pushing her and that that whole exchange that they have about, oh, yeah. like, I wish Say you weren't again. my family. Say it again, maybe you'll wake up tomorrow and we'll be... Or, no, maybe it'll be true or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know she was beating herself up about that as oh, she was getting home. the whole way home. The whole way home. Because, damn it, it's so, like... Eight-year-olds are little assholes. I mean... Mm -hmm. And she, he just continued kid. to push buttons, too. You know, like... Well, and... Mine is mouthy in much the same way. Yeah. He is... He knows exactly which buttons to push. And he's eight. And I'm like, you should not be this good at <laughs> pissing me off. But he really is. And there's so much of that that I see in this mm -hmm. relationship here. Just like, can you want to strangle them or, you know, beat them around the head and yeah. shoulders? And you can't do any of that. 
Oh. And I, I think on like a normal day, they probably are not as confrontational mm-hmm. with each other. But this is a day where Kevin's just been picked on all evening by everybody in the house. Didn't get his pizza. He's upset. He's being punished. He's latching, lashing out. And she's probably at her limit. Well, I mean, he's the youngest. So it's obvious that he is probably babied. Oh, yeah. You know, she does a lot of things for him. Right, because, like, wh- she tells him to get packed, and, like, all his, his one sister is like, don't worry, Mom will pack for Mom you. Mom you will pack she will. for you. And probably she probably did. did. Mm-hmm. Do you want to bet that luggage got on the plane? Mm-hmm. Even if Kevin didn't, yeah. his suitcase sure did. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, there's just, it's it's very antagonistic because she's at the end of her rope. Mm-hmm. And I just, yeah, very much suspect that she was. Having all those people in my house. Oh, God. Just overnight. Let's not even put into the scenario that we're leaving for an international trip in the morning with like way more kids than adults. Well, and they've probably been there for most of the day. They yeah. drove in from Ohio. From Ohio. <laughs> so, yeah, there's all these people in the house. Mm-hmm. It's just high stress. And Frank's oh, an asshole. And she does kind of give him that look the whole time, doesn't she? Like, yeah. <laughs> poor Kate. All right. So. The power goes out while they are all sleeping, and Kevin is alone in the attic. They wake up. Everybody's late. We have the head count, which includes the neighbor kid, and this Mm -hmm. is where my husband goes, and this is why you don't count heads. You count faces, (laughs) and I'm like, thank you. (laughs) Wonderful. Way to just ruin the entire storyline here, although I have to say, how do you... It's the cousin counting. That's true. It's not like one of the parents. It's not her sibling. No. She's counting a cousin. It's the oldest cousin, the French one, who, Mm -hmm. again, show notes. We'll have the link to the family tree. Uh, And then they go to the airport, and there's the whole running thing. And All of this would never happen today. Never happen. You could never leave 45 minutes before your flight. I mean, like, I heard that. (laughs) I watched it again today before we recorded, and I just laughed. I'm like, dude, you have to leave three hours early to get to the airport. No, I'm sorry. You missed your flight, motherfuckers. (laughs) Uh, Nah. No. Yeah. And then they're running through the airport. I mean, and that wouldn't have. I, I mean, and they've already closed the, the door TSA when they get there. Line. Oh, right. <laughs> and they're like, "No, you didn't miss the flight. Nope. Mm-mm. That's not how life works these days, people. The door's closed. You missed your flight. You missed your flight." By the and record. then she tells them, "Just take any seats." Just- <laughs> But I do love that the parents are in first class and the kids are in coach. 
That that was definitely <laughs> 90s appropriate, yes. I especially love the scene between Harry and uh, Merv in the car, right? When they're talking about the choice goods. <laughs> <laughs> and we're talking about TVs and VCRs. And games. And Maybe Toys. some jewelry. <laughs> Just, man, the nostalgia for the 1990s. I mean, really, that's that's really what this movie is for me now. It's just pure, straight nostalgia yeah. for the simpler time. When any of this was potentially even a thing that could happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god alright so we have oh we forgot to mention the whole story about the old man neighbor yes which feels somewhat relevant since he's in the whole thing which is I don't know It's is it Buzz's story do you think? It's probably, it's got to be the neighborhood story, because when he meets Kevin in the um, church, he says, like, I know what they say about me. Mm, mm-hmm. So it's like one of those urban legend, you know, neighborhood stories that the kids have been telling each other for, like, the last ten years or whatever. Which is really tragic, because he's just a nice old man shoveling the goddamn sidewalks. Is he a nice old man, though? Like, what did he do to get his son to not want to talk to him anymore? Um, I don't know. I'm going with the nice old man theory. He's reformed in that time. Perhaps. (laughs) They make up at the end. That's all that matters there, right? He reaches out to his son. They make up. It's all fine, great, and happy. Exactly like nobody's been murdered and put in his cell pocket. Nobody's been murdered and put. (laughs) So, and I come back to this nice old man. He's shoveling the neighborhood sidewalks for no freaking reason <laughs> other than to be nice do you and he's shoveling he's not even snow blowing right he's sh- with an old school <laughs> metal shovel that's important later oh spoilers okay so next up we have kevin waking up in the clean house having breakfast Drinking the milk, Mm -hmm. which there was still milk left over. (laughs) Despite Kate's pleas for everyone to please drink the milk so that it didn't spoil. (laughs) And then when she comes back at the end, she says, we don't even have milk in the house. (laughs) Such a mom thing. God, it's terrible. So we have the whole scene where... He watches the movie that Uncle Frank wouldn't let him watch prior. Oh, is that the movie? I kind of I, I assumed. think so. Yeah. Th- that was my assumption, yes. Angels that- with filthy souls or something <laughs> like something that. Something like that. <laughs> Angels with filthy wings? No, I, I think it's like filthy that. souls. I think you have it correct. 
but it's on VHS. That's that's really what I was struck by more than the novelty <laughs> of the name. I couldn't get over watching him put in the VCR tape. I'm like, oh, it's been a while since I've seen one of those. <laughs> It is Angels with Filthy Souls, and the sequel in Home Alone 2 is played, and it's Angels with Even Filthier Souls. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. I love those. That's a John Hughes kind of thing. Mm-hmm. No, an in-movie joke. I'm sure the genesis of that came from some <laughs> writer's room joke that will yes. never, ever be privy to. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay, so we have the waking up and the movie, and he will eats the ice cream with the marshmallows and passes out when does when does he cry out for her at what point yeah i don't know i'm trying to remember specifically what oh it's it's during the movie okay when all of the shooting is going on and we cut to kate who sits bolt upright in her plane seat it's such a mom intuition kind of thing it's such a great moment and she starts going through the passports yeah we've forgotten something i don't know what it is but Mm -hmm. we've forgotten something did you turn off the coffee maker no i turned off the coffee maker (laughs) did you lock the door yeah i locked Mm -hmm. the door did you close the garage? That's it. I forgot to close the garage. And she sits back and goes, no, no, that's not it. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. And then they go, and I guess we don't see them counting the children, but that scene happens where we realize that Kevin is not just yeah. floating about in coach <laughs> because he didn't get tagged for his, I mean. Well, because they didn't get to, they got to sit in any empty seat. Well, right, because they just threw the tickets at the yeah. ticket lady because none of this could happen now. Literally no. none of this. Right. There would have had to have been a whole ID matching mm-hmm. at, at, at the gate with TSA. Not to mention cell phones. Oh, yeah. Like, the phone lines are out. I am always struck by how dependent we've become yep. on cell phones mm-hmm. when I watch these kinds of things. Like it's it's unfathomable to me that, to that not be able to through call. It all. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> that they say goodbye in the she says goodbye to her husband in the airport, not knowing when she's going to speak to him. Yeah. And he says, Don't get lost or whatever. Don't Right. <laughs> Because they don't have cell phones. Like, I I grew up in this time. I remember this time. And yet, I cannot in any way reconcile it to the life Mm -hmm. I have now. There's just no. There's no, like, 
I mean, even if my battery dies, yep. I borrow the strangers on the street, right? Yep. There's mm-hmm. 85 people who are going to loan me their cell phones so that I can call 58 people whose numbers I happen to have memorized. I mean, <laughs> such a different time. Yep. And then... Which leads me to the scene in the airport with John Candy. Would that happen this way now, either? Would you feel comfortable going with a random movie right. guy? Would you, yeah. go, would you go on a moving van <laughs> with the random polka guy? You know, who... I definitely, I had red flags. I was like, I don't know about that. <laughs> How desperate am I? I mean, shh. She's desperate, but there's also no, like, I mean, I have to say, I would have looked that group over and gone, there's no women here. <laughs> there's no way yeah. that I'm getting into a moving van with 20 random dudes. I mm-hmm. just, all the red flags. Yep. Yeah. Such a different time. Different time. <laughs> And they're playing Christmas music, and I'm like, I just, I can't, I can't. <laughs> I really love the scene, too, when she and John are in the back of the movie. And he tries band. to get her to play the clarinet or whatever right, it is. Right. And she's like, no, 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 no. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we go back to the house, and Kevin overhears the wet bandits i mean like holy shit <laughs> just so fucking dumb so dumb i just can't the wet bandits and then when they get arrested the cop is like yeah thanks for that now we know every single now house you hit now we know all the houses you've hit <laughs> I don't think criminal... Uh, no, no. I mean, they They're had They're worse s- now in different ways, right? They were smart in casing the joints the way they did. You know, again, I come back to the technology of the time. We do this in totally different ways now. Mm-hmm. If we were to remake Home Alone for a modern audience, I can't... I, think I there was can't a even sequel. imagine... I think there was one made in, like, 2015. Like, a made-for-TV movie one. Uh, Yeah, okay, (laughs) but it's still... No. I'll watch it before I make my judgment. I just, I just, I can't imagine. (laughs) Also, all of the sequels were really bad. Like, tragically bad. I only saw the second one. And I barely remember it i remember the video game for the super nintendo more because i think I remember the video that was like too. one of the only like we had super mario brothers and that game for some reason because we got it for christmas i don't know <laughs> i'm dead oh that's just <laughs> That reminds me of the fact that when we bought our Sega Genesis, we only had Echo the Dolphin Mm -hmm. for a good three months afterwards. I think everybody hated that game, the Echo (laughs) the Dolphin game. (laughs) 
So, what I really like, I think, watching through it again, because the end scene where, I guess, the, I don't know, if you want to call it the climax scene of Kevin in the house beaten up on his burglars, I guess, uh, it's whatever. The kids liked it. It was fine. But I like this movie because of the little conversations. I love the conversation Kevin has in the grocery store. The first one is this toothbrush ADA (laughs) approved. And the lady doesn't know. And then she calls over the manager. Yeah. (laughs) I, I don't know. I don't know. But the second conversation that he has in the grocery store when he goes to buy all of the things and she's like, where's your mom? Where's your dad? Yeah. Do you, where's your brothers and sisters? Like that whole... I'm an only child. I'm an only child. (laughs) It's just the conversations, the little pieces of humanity, Mm -hmm. I think, are why I love this movie still. Okay, so finally we have the booby traps. Harry and Marv get beat the fuck up. Is there anything really relevant to say? Here? Um, I love how well. So like they kind of set this up in that you know that Kevin's a tinkerer because he was in the shed making ornaments out of his dad's fishing Fish hooks. hooks. And his dad says, the new ones? And he says, of course, well, the old I ones are full of fish guts. <laughs> <laughs> but I love, like, all his ingenuity. And, like, you know... Well, the, it's clear, um, too, <clears throat> that he has a good relationship with his dad. Because yeah. his dad doesn't even say, damn it, not the yeah. new fish hooks. He just kind of goes... Okay, I accept that you were making ornaments in the shed with my fish hooks. <laughs> but I also, um, back to like your point on the little conversations, I love the conversation he has with old man Marley in the church. In the church, yes. Where he tells him about how he used to be afraid of his basement, but he went down there to do laundry and he's not afraid of it anymore. And like, I love that. <laughs> Telling totally, this man in yes. his like 70s, don't yeah. be afraid of having a conversation with your estranged son. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. It I really love that. Is. I love um so like to the like nostalgia and the Christmassy part of this. Um I I was, you know, raised Catholic. We went to Christmas Eve mass every year and I haven't been in years. But like just the whole process of Christmas Eve mass is like such a nostalgia that's Christmas to me in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. And so them in the church is like, oh, yeah, Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I can rehearsal. smell it. But, yes, <laughs> you can. I can, too. I grew up Catholic. I remember I, you know, don't... <laughs> I have a weird relationship with religion. I'm yeah. pagan, but I attend a Southern Baptist <laughs> church that adopted us when our son died and so i have 
Christmas things, but yeah, yeah. it's... There's something to be said for the community side of that. Mm-hmm. There is. There definitely is, and I think that's why we still attend this yeah. church that I find dubious politically in a lot yeah. of arenas, and we don't talk about my beliefs, really. Yeah. <laughs> But we go because they cared about us at a really, really Mm -hmm. rough time. And when I think about community, that's the part that matters to me. Yeah. And there is that thread all throughout this movie Mm -hmm. in little touches. It's in the conversation he has with the old man in the church. It's in... The conversation Kate has with the Polka King Mm -hmm. in the back of the moving van about what a bad mother she is. It's just everywhere in this movie. I love... um, There's so many points in this movie where my heart just really breaks for Kevin. Yeah. When you think about, like, you, you know, you think for split seconds here and there about like the reality side of this situation and then when he goes and talks to santa and he's like i know you're not the real one i know how it works you're just working for him he's like he's an eight-year-old and he he still believes in santa he puts out cookies and milk he asks Mm -hmm. santa to bring his family back Mm -hmm. oh and it's an earnest plea Mm -hmm. and when he wakes up in the morning and they are and not, they're not there. Oh, uh, God. I'm all dewy-eyed right now. Mm-hmm. Just like, that's that's it right there for me with this movie. I like how we kind of, like, have talked about this movie and barely talked about... The, <laughs> the whole thing that everybody loved about this movie was the part where Kevin fights off the the bandits but like that is such a small part of this movie it's not it's funny i see why kids would like it i love that they trip on the micro machines i love the like the the, paint cans the paint so many times the the paint cans right (laughs) oh right and then (laughs) i guess um when they were actually filming the stunts they weren't able to use um harnesses because for whatever reason they weren't able to like get them out in post-production so like the falling down the stairs and stuff the stuntmen weren't wearing harnesses and the director was like i thought people were gonna die (laughs) 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 so like every time they slipped down the icy stairs oh my god you know Man, some of those stunts were really remarkably well done. And it does kind of make you go, those poor stuntmen. Yeah. No, like, it's really terrible to have to be a stuntman in Hollywood. I recently marathoned Glow mm-hmm. and was reminded of this. Just stunts, stunt work. Even now, today, it's hard. It's physically Mm -hmm. difficult on the body. We talk a lot about the lack of protection or good pay Mm -hmm. for stunt performers in Hollywood. 
And it kind of gets overlooked, I think, because, well, they're not famous, so who Mm -hmm. cares? There's no real support or protection Mm -hmm. for them if they get injured. There's been a lot of lawsuits, but there's no overarching protection or any kind of accountability Mm-hmm. in Hollywood for what happens to stunt performers. And man, just the idea of those guys going down real icy stairs cuz that's really <laughs> what was happening there. Yeah. Imagine that even if you're trained on your back, on yep. your hips. Just yep. fuck, man. So then Old man Marley saves the day, cause the weapon is corner him. Yeah, they and the police come and they mm-hmm. put him across the the street. I like that. I like that this film, without specifically saying why, but this film sets it up so nobody ever knows that Kevin was home alone. Mm-hmm. The police don't know. Because the bandits are picked up across the street, they never know. They don't know that they ever went through the McAllister's house. Ex- you know, because she so Kate we don't ha- calls the police, right? Yeah. She calls the police at the beginning and asks them to send somebody out to yep. the house. And they give her the runaround, yep. which also, I feel, would not happen in not this day. Sta- no. <laughs> if I were to call the police and say, I'm in Paris and my eight-year-old son yeah. is home alone... They would not leave the house until there was an eight-year-old son in custody. Right. That that part certainly would not have happened that way. In terms of, in real life, if this were to happen, and the police were to find out that you left your eight-year-old at home, there would be CPS up the wazoo. (laughs) My husband said when we were talking about this, he's like, oh, my God, somebody would have called CPS on Christopher Columbus when they made this movie. (laughs) Like, they wouldn't have even been allowed to film it. Right. So I I like that that neatly ties it up and that the bandits get picked up across the street, which was Kevin's idea Mm -hmm. because he didn't want anybody to know his parents weren't there. That they were so irresponsible to leave. Well, the that they're gone. They disappeared. That they're gone. They're, yep. <laughs> so, so again, that morning he wakes up and he goes the night to before, look around. Yeah. To the, see, he left what cookies and milk and milk out for, for Santa. Santa. Cleaned up everything. Mm-hmm. Maybe old man Marley helped. That's possible. I don't know. He did not clean Buzz's room. He well, did no. not clean <laughs> the shelves that he broke in Buzz's room. Yeah. Because that's um, how the movie ends. So a funny side note on that. Uh, when he's digging through Buzz's stuff and he, he sees the picture of Buzz's girlfriend and he goes, ew. I think whoever it was, if it was the set decorator, if it was the director, I can't remember, felt bad. They weren't going to put a picture of an actual little girl in that because they felt bad being like ew so it's like one of their kids the son of one of them dressed up as a girl (laughs) that's such a great little note i had no idea i also am 
in that scene where he's going through the chest and he finds the Playboy. And <laughs> he says, none of them, them are wearing clothes. None of them are wearing clothes. <laughs> Eight years old. It's still so, yeah. So when she does get home, when Kate does get home and Kevin, you know, he gets up, he looks around and nobody is there. Mm-hmm. And then she says, I'm sorry when he co- when he co- when she comes in and he just gives her this big hug. Well, no, he waits. He makes her sweat it out for a minute before he <laughs> smiles. And I don't know. He's probably just, like, trying to process the fact that she's actually there. But, like, I no, like that. No, he's being an I asshole. I like him being. Like a typical eight-year-old. That that long pause. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that's deliberate. He's yeah. waiting it out. And then the big hug. Like. Yeah. Yep. And then everybody else comes in shortly after because they took the flight she didn't want to take. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because she took the long way there. The yeah. very long, <laughs> expensive way. She gave up two first class tickets yeah. to the old couple. Oh no, in she didn't Paris. give Oh yeah, she did give that up. Mm-hmm. So everybody I don't like think she acknowledges- has her earrings on either oh, after she- that scene. So <laughs> So everybody gives Kevin credit. He went grocery shopping, and then they ask what he did with himself, and he just said, like, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> and then the dad finds the gold tooth. And then we see old man Marley reuniting with, with his family. And then Buzz yelling, Kevin, what did you do to my room? <laughs> and we cut out, yeah. And it's Christmas. Yep. We did neglect to mention, I do believe, somewhere that classic scene with Macaulay Culkin with the hands on oh, the cheeks yes. and the after the aftershave. Yeah. That one's pretty iconic. I mm-hmm. feel we would be neglectful to not, you know, throw there that a lot in of iconic. somewhere. There's yeah. that, and I remember there's one scene where he does the like yes and the arm pumping mm-hmm. and like that. I, oh my a god, lot that's a Facebook this. meme still. Yes. Yeah, a lot of that. Mm-hmm. This was a very. It was like iconic. It was mm-hmm. very iconic. It had a lot of iconic moments. It's very much become a part of our culture mm-hmm. without us really being aware of all of the little things that have become a part right. of our culture. The it's song in particular, mm-hmm. I think. I mean, because, yeah, I had no idea until you said so that this was for this movie. But it was for this movie. And it's it's John Williams. So it makes sense that, you know, we hear yeah. it everywhere <laughs> at Christmas time. And that's fine. It's the John Williams Christmas song. But it was for this movie. Yep. Um, it's definitely one of those movies where if you haven't seen the whole thing, you know enough about the movie. You've seen mm-hmm. enough about the movie where if you sat down and watched it, you you would know exactly what was going on. Mm-hmm. Except for the parts that are actually good about this. I I, I don't know. Does it... So, my kids kind of stuck around for the ending. Yeah. But they were pretty in and out for most of the beginning. Yeah. I didn't even try. I knew my kid would have no desire to watch this movie. Also, I I knew, like, the language and situations were a little, Mm -hmm. like, iffy. For a four-year-old. Yeah. (laughs) 
for a two-year-old, I don't care. Because they're the not. eight-year-old, I kind of wanted to see what would <clears throat> yeah. happen, right? But my daughter didn't really like this one either because there's no cultural relevance mm-hmm. for her. Like, she sat there in the living room and played on her phone. Yeah. <laughs> she was present for it, but she didn't watch yeah. it. And there's, yeah, yeah, no cultural relevance for right. her in any way. She's just, I, I mean, the movie, the DV, the, 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 the VCR player, right? And all of the little sequences with the phone, none mm-hmm. of that meant anything. Right. To her. There's a lot that they just don't understand because no. they have no. reference of any kind for this so something that i think will come up in our next christmas movie but that i wanted to point out here is i have a big problem with christmas movies that make kids question the reality of santa and we'll go into that next time we do a christmas that's our conversation for next episode because but i'm pretty sure my kid would have been curious to know why Santa didn't eat the milk and cookies that Kevin put out. I suspect he probably would have. Yeah. <laughs> I I mean, certainly... So there's a Santa warning for you if you think your kid <laughs> might... If you think your kid might pick up on that, Santa warning. Yeah, we're going to have... A lot of conversation in the next episode about Santa and the belief structure around that and what Hollywood does with it. But we wanted to do this one, I think, because it's the fun holiday. We needed to do something iconic. Yeah. You know? This one, yeah. So, blubberability. Okay, so (laughs) I cried a lot in this movie. I'm so sappy. The music really mm-hmm. gets me. The sequences with Kate talking about her parenting skills mm-hmm. really, really get to me. The end sequence with Kevin and Kate mm-hmm. is really, yeah. For me, all it's very not so much. Sappy. Yeah, for me, it's not so much a movie that makes me cry, but it's a movie where, like, my empathy meter is, like, mm-hmm. off the chart. Because, like, there's so many points where, like, you just feel for Kate, and then you, you think about Kevin being alone, and you're just like, oh, no. <laughs> there are a lot of places where I just, as the mom of an eight-year-old, I really really felt bad for this poor little boy. Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) They do such a good job, I think, with... And maybe that's Macaulay. Maybe that's just what we're able to do with the story for what it is. But yeah, I felt bad for the kid. He's home, alone. And they (laughs) managed to convey that pretty Mm -hmm. powerfully in a number of places what that would actually feel like and be like. So, age-wise, you did not let yours watch. Yeah. Yeah. So, mine is eight, and he watched it. He was not particularly enthralled Mm -hmm. with it. Although, 
I have to say there is a bit of a factor here when I say I'm watching a movie for the podcast where my kids are like, I do not let the eight-year-old listen to the podcast. Mm -hmm. Something he feels quite slighted about, (laughs) to be perfectly honest. Because I cuss too much. My husband tells me I cuss too much, too. And I'm really trying... I I tried this episode to keep it to, like, every fifth sentence instead of every other word. <laughs> well, for me, this is my only opportunity. So, I don't... <laughs> I just I let just, it fly. Well, the note I was given by my husband was, Sarah's fine. It's you, (laughs) baby. You just can't help not cussing like a sailor. And yeah, like every fifth sentence instead of every other. Okay. That can be your New Year's resolution. Sure. (laughs) We'll we'll go with that. We'll go with that. Uh, Halloween costume? Is there a Halloween costume? Oh my god, you've never... I've seen so many people dressed up as the wet bandits. Have you really yes. seen yeah. uh, maybe adults dressed yeah, up yeah. as adults. wet bandits? Uh, definitely adults. Because there's some, I, I think some maybe subtle <laughs> innuendo there for you the think? wet band- Just a little. Uh, I think you're digging. <laughs> <laughs> But okay, fine. If you're an adult, I guess wear the costume. You could wear any of these costumes. Go ahead. Go right ahead. We don't care. (laughs) All right, you got a final score for this one? Uh, It's tough because nostalgia just really like really taints this one. It does. It blows it all out of the water for me. I'm trying. I can't be objective, objective, and I can't. No, I'm like. I'm gonna give it a Christmas movie four. Okay. Which is a totally different scale. <laughs> C- to right. me, a Christmas movie five is It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, I'm And a sure. Christmas movie one is like one of those really shitty made-for-TV movies. Not okay. like a Hallmark one, but like those one-hour, like, not name-brand cartoon Christmas movies. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about, right? Yes, I do know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. Okay, so a Christmas five for me would be Charlie Brown. Okay. Uh, so this, oh my God, the two-year-old air raid <laughs> siren in the background. Like, okay, I don't know that we've mentioned this, but I feel like we should at this point in time because the last two episodes are going to have some interesting sounds in them. Yes, we got Sarah new, and I got new microphones. <laughs> and they pick up a lot more. <laughs> so all of this, the air raid siren that I'm sure she is not going to be able to properly edit out. Yeah, that's the two-year-old and there's nothing we can do about it. I'm sorry. It's just the reality of our lives. (laughs) (laughs) We don't film in a, or we don't record in a studio. We record in houses full of children. Sarah is in a closet. (laughs) I'm in my closet. I would be in a closet if my closet was larger than a (laughs) shoebox. Instead, I am in my unfinished basement, which means that 
You can often hear all of the children on the hardwood floor above me. You can hear the water running through the pipes. I'm pretty sure there's going to be a moment in this show that has already happened where you heard the water in my pipes. (laughs) And the air raid siren of the two-year-old. I'm apologizing in advance because I feel like it's just going to get worse from here on out. All right. All right. All right. I I had a score. Yes. Charlie Brown is a five. This is a Christmas four and a half. Four and a half. It really is. That's generous. It is, but I'm an emotional sap about this one. I just can't help myself. All right, guys. Um, We are on Twitter-ish, Instagram-ish, Facebook every now and then at Latchkey Movies. Uh, you can find us at latchkeymovies.com. You can email us, latchkeymovies at gmail.com. And if you have, I don't know, thoughts, feelings about this movie, perhaps about mail or laundry shoots, laundry shoots, <laughs> there you I go. I miss my laundry shoe. <laughs> it's fine. I, I, I understand. They're a fire hazard. I get it. It makes perfect sense. <laughs> you can give us a call. That is 402-885-4875. This week, I believe I will beg you to tell a friend it's Christmas time. Yes, give, give us, us this throw gift. Throw us a fucking bone. Oh, Whatever shit. holiday you celebrate this time of year, there's probably gift giving involved. So give us the gift of a recommendation. There you go. (laughs) Give us as a gift. Are we a gift? I I feel like, okay, we might be a gift. Depending on your friendship. (laughs) (laughs) If you have friends like we're friends, that you can go, yeah, hey, I have this thing. You'll love it. (laughs) Please do pass it along. And we will see you next time for our very intense conversation on Santa. Yes. Yes. We're looking forward to it. Happy December or happy holidays. Yes. Or happy Merry holidays. Christmas. I'm not offended. It's fine. <laughs> Whatever. Bye. Bye. <laughs>